Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and all of God's creatures. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Now, last time we talked, Rachel was drawing us even further afield from our normal territory by going into the epistle into 1 John. And uh, I wonder where you're taking us today, Rachel. Maybe into Plato uh. or... No, no, not that far. Uh, For this day, May 9th, I'm actually going to stay with our original plan, which is perhaps more surprising than anything else I'm going to do today. (laughs) And I'll talk about John 15. That's good because we we got halfway into that passage last week and I was hoping for the exciting conclusion this week. So I'm glad you're going. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Well, and it's fascinating because you talked about Moses last time Mm -hmm. and the Moses resonances that the Gospel of John seems to have. And I found the same thing in this text, which, yeah, but to be honest, that's really rather shocking to me. I mean, out of all of the Gospels, I do not think I would have picked the book of John as one that had a major mosaic tone to it. I know, I know. And and you mean mosaic as in the person of Moses, right? Not like the tiled art style. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the art style. Although that is really an interesting question for anybody who loves art history, hmm. which I do. Which art style would you assign to the different books of the Bible? Like, you know, Luke could be Impressionism or the Romantic period. The book of Revelation would be Cubist or <laughs> really probably more surrealist, actually. All right, um, right, right, right. Okay, so uh, you're, you said you weren't going to go off track. Right, right. Okay. So back. Thank you. Fascinating question. Not the point. The point is, out of all the Gospels, I would not have assumed that John had major Moses references. Yeah, me too. But it's so there. And it's it's not just like Exodus or, you know, the, the, the Exodus story. Uh, the place I want to bring us today actually focuses on just one verse in John 15 and this whole reference behind it. First, for anybody who is listening to this episode and didn't hear the previous episode, two things. First, I would highly recommend that you pause and go back and listen to the excellent work that Tim McNinch did last week on the first half of this pericope. It's really, it sets up this conversation really well. It's really good. It's fantastic. fantastic. If he does say so himself. and I do. So second of all, a little literary context. John 13, two chapters before this one, that narrative begins the story of Jesus's passion, uh, even though there are still seven chapters left in John. And part of the reason for this long passion narrative is what you might call Jesus's extended farewell discourse to the disciples. So on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus not only took bread, but he also took the microphone and he (laughs) held it for a long time in the book of John. Mm -hmm. It is. And John 15 is right in the middle of this farewell discourse. Jesus is sort of summing up the really important things he wants his disciples to remember and be a part of before he dies. And one of those things is this beautiful discussion of love that starts right around chapter 15, verse 9. Right, right. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide mm-hmm. in my love. Yeah. I mean, it's a really beautiful verse. And and in fact, this whole section is just like an orchard of preaching points, if we're going to pick up on this fruitfulness metaphor <laughs> that you ran with last week. So there's love in verse 9. There's abiding love in verse 10. There's joy in verse 11. And what Jesus meant by joy is a fascinating question, because if I've learned anything, I've learned that the emotion words that we use today don't overlay perfectly on emotion words 
words from the Bible, but they just get kind of expanded and blown up in the best way possible. Yeah, I've been wondering about that too. Yeah. So, but then it keeps going. So you've got the explicit linking of love and commandment in verse 12, and then immediately to sacrifice, self-sacrifice in verse 13. Jesus calls his disciples friends in verse 14, which is nothing huge to us today because we often talk about Jesus as friend. But that was actually a pretty rare way that Jesus talked about himself. And then we get to verse 16. And in verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Hmm. Tim, does that make you think of anything in particular? Uh, Sounds like maybe something in the Old Testament. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) I know. It sure does. Well, and at first I thought it was Jeremiah. I was like, oh, I've heard that before. Where have I heard Mm -hmm. that? But I actually had to go uh, to my husband uh, the other Tim in my life, and because I knew that this was one of his favorite verses, and I said, "Tim, what what is this verse from?" And he immediately, props to him, said Deuteronomy seven seven. Hmm. So all the way back to our Moses discussion from last week, this text, "You did not choose me, but I chose you," is just pulls directly from Moses's farewell discourse to the Israelites, where, like Jesus, he sums up the really important things he wants the Israelites to remember and be a part of before he dies. There's a beautiful parallel going on here. Yeah, totally. John is like taking a deep dive into the Moses stuff. He he really does. So just so everyone's clear on this, I want to read Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. And if you want, you can pause the podcast and flip there in your Bible and kind of earmark it. But it's just amazing the the resonances here. So in Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 8, God says this through Moses. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Okay, here we go. It was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his heart on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Mm, mm. It was not because you are more numerous, but because the Lord loved you. The the love theme here is really strong. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And what I love about this is the whole love stuff didn't start with Jesus. <laughs> right, so right. When Jesus is at his final farewell discourse trying to describe his relationship to the disciples, how he feels about them, how he wants them to act with each other, he did not create love out of thin air. He reached all the way back in his tradition, the Hebrew scriptures, and used the words of Moses himself. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And as God said in Deuteronomy 7, I chose you out of love. It's just a beautiful message that is shot through all of Scripture. Yeah, and that's so helpful, especially if if folks are going to be preaching this text, which is so much in the New Testament, in the book of John, it's so much about love. But to be able to draw back on um, the the depth of that term 
Yeah, exactly. And and I think you could you could kind of use that to set up a sermon and then a potential preaching point is to talk about what does it mean to be chosen? Because this seems to kind of come out of thin air at this point in John, like what whoa 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 Jesus, what are you talking about here? Mm-hmm. But being a chosen people by God is a deep deep theme in the Hebrew scriptures. To to be chosen by God is not only to be chosen to be special, but you know, going back to Genesis 12, it's to be chosen so that in us all the families of the world might be blessed. Mm-hmm. So you could you could reach back to Deuteronomy to pull out the love theme, and then you could reach back to God's first interaction with Abraham to talk about what does it mean to be chosen by God. Yeah, yeah, and and, it, and you and I are both in church traditions that that harken back to the the Reformation and and the concept mm-hmm. of the, of the theology of election is important in both of our traditions. For for folks that share that with us, taking another look at this idea of chosenness. Yeah. Um and and seeing some of the the nuances here that are not just patterned from Luther and Calvin, but going back to Jesus and to Moses and to thinking about um, kind of the breadth of that whole concept yeah. can be really helpful. And for those who don't come from a Reformation tradition like us, uh, it's also very fruitful to ponder what it mm-hmm. means to be chosen by God. Yeah, because even if it's not in your Reformation tradition, it sure is there in the Bible. Yes, and especially because of the way that it's connected to the love of God. Yeah, yeah. So preachers, I hope that you have fun digging into that treasure trove and that you you find some really good stuff for your sermon as you you prep this uh, next couple weeks here. So thanks, Rachel, for your work on that. Absolutely. Uh, We are still cruising through the Easter season here as we look at Old Testament resonances in the New Testament, and we've got some more to go. So come back and continue following along with us. You can find us on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com, and we're also on the Facebook. So check us out there. Drop us a line. Send us some comments and feedback and all that good stuff, too. And we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.